Chapter 7, Part 4 My father escorted me to a bank in the Sunset District of San Francisco. As the fog rolled in off the ocean, blanketing over the sunny morning with a traditional chilly and gray summer afternoon. I was 18 and in college, living on my own and supporting myself by that time, since I was 16. My father was in a jovial mood. I followed him as he entered the bank with self-assurance, his head held high. He announced in a booming voice to a receptionist, that he needed to talk to a bank officer because he was going to open an account for his college student daughter. He wanted the world to know he introduced himself and me to each employee as we were passed up to the top executive on the floor of the bank. When my father wrote a check for $200, the bank officer was taken off guard. She handled the transaction, which a teller could have done with ease, of course, with grace. I appreciated that. She didn't let on to my father how surprised she was at the lowly sum, after all the pomp and ceremony that had surrounded his act of giving. I didn't let on either. I acted grateful and pleased, and I kept up the charade for his sake. I didn't resent the small sum he gave that afternoon, not even a month's rent for me. I was too busy protecting my father, too busy keeping my eye out for someone who might speak up, react, and break the generous father's spell that my father brought into the bank with us. I would have pounced on any person who had tried. On that foggy afternoon in the bank, I was devastated with pity for the man I wanted so much to admire. The great man he was supposed to be. I had not the tools yet to extricate myself from the charade or the pity in my heart. I was still too close to my father's world of make-believe. It was still too habitual for me to play along with the emperor in his expensive retreaded wing-tipped shoes and his frayed leather belt, masked by the jacket of his one good business suit. My father lived that foggy afternoon in his own fog of denial-induced glory, the generous, abundant father, and I let him have that day. I was a dutiful member of my father's court. Tonight I sit on the couch with my elderly father who is dying. That foggy afternoon comes to mind, and I do not regret having allowed him that day of fairy tale glory, even with all I have had to fight to learn that I did not know or understand that afternoon in the Sunset District Bank. 
Even with all of the healing I have had to do as a result of my father's addiction and denial. Tonight, on what may be the last occasion I spend with my father, I reach to grasp his still strong hand in mine. I am glad I let him have that San Francisco day of fatherly pride, even though it was a myth, because it was the humane thing to do. Tonight I know that if someone, any adult, had played the role of lowly court page who spoke truth and reality to myth, if someone, any adult, had broken the veil of charade and unreality along the path of my father's life, this chapter would not be a tragedy. Another life, another generation, would not have been lost before the story could be turned to one of hope. As I hope, my story will be. I was a child when my father ushered me into the bank that foggy day, in no way responsible for speaking truth to myth. But shedding my sense of responsibility for my father and for perpetuating his drug-hazed mythical reality was a long and painful process. My father was ill. It was just as silly for society to put the onus of responsibility for his cure, for his assumption of good parenting habits, on him, as it was for society to leave me and my sister, children, to fend for ourselves with sick, irresponsible, delusional, addicted parents. Tonight I hold my father's hand in mine and am secure in the knowledge that I am not a dutiful member of an emperor's court any longer. Though I will hold the secrets from my father, who at 88 will not benefit from a sudden awakening to the truth at this moment any more than he will be saved or spared or enlightened or rewarded by a chapter of Faulkner this late in the game. Tonight I know that I am going to write this story and what I have learned, because it is time for these emperor-has-no-clothes charades going on in families and homes and offices and schools and rooms of political business every day to stop. I know that we go along because no one has taught us what else to do. Silly rabbit, it is time that we all learn. <laughs>